You can't hit what you can't see. Walter Johnson, boxer from around the turn of the 20th century. You can't hit what you can't see. In fact, you don't usually fight against what you can't see. You don't usually fight the enemy that you don't recognize is there. I was reading an article this week about uh, military technology. In fact, it was from 2015. But it was talking about enhanced night vision goggles. And what those enhanced night vision goggles were supposed to do were make, was to make the enemy easier to see. In fact, using those goggles, you could see through smoke or fog or dust or light foliage. What they do is they make the enemy more visible. And that's my goal this morning. To make the enemy more visible. To push you and exhort you to be aware of the fight that you are in. To get you to think about there's more than what our eyes see. Yes, in regards to God and the angels and everything that we would consider good, but also in regards to our enemy and the evil one who would seek to destroy us. I want to make sure you both clearly see your enemy and know how to fight them. And our enhanced night vision goggles are right here. This is what makes the enemy visible. This is what shows us how to fight him. For those listening online, I'm holding up my Bible. It's the Word of God. So I want us to look into the Word and be reminded of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, not you know, Wizard of Oz, like behind the curtain, right? Not quite as non-threatening of enemy that we have as the guy that was behind the curtain. But in our study in Acts, what we're seeing is the gospel going forth. We're seeing multitudes being saved. We're seeing churches being planted. But the other thing we're also seeing is resistance and persecution against the church. And we're seeing resistance and persecution against the Apostle Paul such that he's been arrested and he will be in shackles and he will eventually be a martyr because of the gospel. And I want you to recognize as we study through the rest of the way through Acts and as we live our lives that there's more to the resistance than just the physical people that are pushing back to the gospel. There's a greater and a more fearsome and an invisible enemy that works against gospel progress. That brings opposition. He does not give up ground easily. He does not like it when the gospel pushes back the darkness. Gospel progress always brings resistance. Physical and spiritual resistance. The enemy fights to gain and keep ground. And just like he was opposing what was going on with the gospel in the book of Acts, he is still opposing what is going on with the gospel even right here in Swansboro, North Carolina. So I want to highlight who your real enemy is, who our real enemy is. I want to touch on how we fight against him. I want it to be, yes, to highlight our study through the book of Acts, but to highlight our lives 
to shine a light on why a lot of the struggles that are going on are going on, to get you to think deeper than the physical and to see that your main problem is not with people. It's with the evil one and his minions who would seek to destroy you. So today we're going to look in 1 Peter 5 and we're going to look back at Paul in <clears throat> briefly <clears throat> in Ephesians 6. He explained what, what, what the struggle was and what the main enemy was. Peter does as well here in chapter 5. We're going to see our enemy and how to fight. See, why did I do this though? What piqued this in my heart? Well, we're in an important place in the life of Grace Church. For the first time, we are on the cusp of having enough elders and enough deacons so that elders can focus on elder things and deacons focus on deacon things and the church be healthy and more thriving and more effective for the gospel. We have a qu quite a number of people that are come, have come to the church and want to join the church. There's a lot of good things going on, so we should expect pushback. And listen, we're not getting a lot of physical pushback, but we are getting spiritual pushback. And that's what I want to make sure you are aware of so that we don't make bad decisions. But we are seeing pushback and many are not seeing the true enemy. So my main point today is this, very simple. We must stay vigilant against our enemy if we are to live faithfully for Jesus. We're just going to look at two verses here. I read it in context uh, won't spend a lot of time on it. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9 in 1 Peter chapter 5. Compare that to uh, just a couple of other texts. I really just want to keep us here this morning. I want to keep our eyes on what Peter says. <clears throat> look first at the first point from verse 8 in 1 Peter chapter 5. Stay spiritually vigilant by knowing our enemy. Or knowing your enemy. What is spiritual vigilance? Why would I use such terms? It's simply being aware of and active in the fight. You're aware of the battle <clears throat> and you're active in it. You have situational awareness. You can see the enemy and you know how to resist him. Spiritual vigilance is being aware of and being active in the fight. Look what Peter says in the context of a church. He's writing to the church and people are undergoing persecution and having a hard time because of the gospel. Their lives are not going very well at this point. Just like the people written to in the book of Hebrews. And they're tempted to pull back, pull out, you know, change scenes thinking that will make things better. And Peter warns them, one of the things he warns them of is to, is to not just see the physical, but to look beyond that to the true enemy. So we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. It's highly applicable to us. But look in, in here and see first that we must stay spiritually vigilant by knowing our enemy. Some of us have forgotten who our real enemy is. Some of us are not fighting on a spiritual level. And I want to get us on the same page regarding that. Look, Peter gives two commands here in verse 8. After talking about God's love for us and to cast all of our anxieties on Him, notice he didn't say we won't have any anxieties. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world for you. Don't think it's strange of the fiery trial that's come upon you, Peter would say. But look at the two commands he gives after talking about 
faithful shepherding and being humble and not proud and humbling yourself under God's sovereign mighty hand, knowing that at the right time He'll exalt you. Casting all of your anxieties on Him, knowing that He cares for you. More, we have to be reminded that God cares when we're struggling, don't we? Our temptation is to think He doesn't care. To think He doesn't love us. To think something's wrong, that we should change something. Look at verse 8. What Peter says, In the midst of the spiritual struggle that you find yourself in, first you need to know the enemy. Look at verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. Be sober-minded, be watchful. And these are commands. First, sober-minded, to think rightly. Have a sound mind. Have a well-balanced state of mind. Have the mind of Christ. Have a biblical state of mind. That's a sound mind. Sound words are what, what Paul calls theology. The truth, the book, the, the Word of God. And having a sound mind is me having my mind lining up with what God has revealed and what He has taught. Peter described having a sound mind earlier in the epistle as putting our hope fully in God's grace that will be brought to us in Christ Jesus and then purposing to walk in, a, in joyful obedience to God. But look at this. Have a sound mind. One, a person who has a sound mind is not given to excess. They're not given to impulse. Right? They carefully guard against sin and they're not given to excess. They, are, they are, have their minds tuned to the Word of God and they're making decisions that flow out of that wisdom that they get from the Word of God. So he says, have a sound mind. Think rightly. Tune your mind to God's Word in, in, in every way and in this way. Be watchful. Look at that. And these are present tense you know, situations. This is telling us to be continually that way. It's looking at it from as a whole, but it's a whole of life because our enemy is vigilant. We must be vigilant. So always being sober-minded and always being watchful, vigilant, on the alert, in a continuous state of readiness and alertness. Be situationally aware. I've said that already. Don't, in other words, don't let the enemy sneak up on you. Don't let the enemy sneak up on you. Don't be on the battlefield in Bermuda shorts. It won't work out. Be watchful. Now that doesn't mean be worried. And always worried something bad's going to happen. But be on the alert. Knowing that you have an enemy that is physical, yes, but not just physical, deeper than that. You have a spiritual enemy. So he's saying, be on constant guard. Be aware of what's happening around you. Don't take any days off when it comes to this. I mean, think about a military watch. The responsibility to watch for the enemy. To watch for enemies encroaching, especially at night. Right? The reason people keep watch is they are not just out admiring the beauty of the stars. They are watching for the enemy, knowing that he is actively trying to gain access. Not thinking maybe he is, maybe they are, but watching against it, being aware of what's happening, watching for the enemy because he's sneaky, he's crafty, he's stealthy, and he wants to sneak in and wreak havoc in your life. 
So Peter is saying, in order to live in this veil of tears, this fallen world, this place where, yes, Christians struggle and struggle mightily, it requires an, a, a faith in God and a trust in God and a humility with one another and a humbling of ourselves under God's mighty hand, being thinking rightly and being always watchful for attack. I mean, isn't that what Jesus told the disciples right before He's going into the Garden of the Gethsemane to pray? What, look what He says in, in Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. In and of ourselves, we are so weak and needy. We need his help. We need his strength. We need his wisdom. We need his brothers, our brothers and sisters, his family around us to help us and to help us see the true enemy. So Peter says, watch out. Be careful. Be watchful. Never quit. Don't stop being alert, thinking rightly and being watchful. Why? Here's the reason. Because we have an enemy and we live on the battlefield. Look at, look at this. Be watchful in your adversary. Verse 8, middle of the, of the verse. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Look at that. It says your adversary. That is plural, your. Your plural adversary the entire church is adversary everybody i'm writing to the church your adversary prowls around looking for victims looking for dinner your adversary devil satan lucifer all of the demonic hosts it's not just him alone. I doubt very seriously that any one of us has ever sort of faced off with the devil. But he's not alone. There are a myriad of fallen angels with him who seek to do the same thing. What did Jesus say? The enemy comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. And look what Peter is saying. This is the Word of God. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's always, this is a present tense description, he's always prowling around. There, our enemy is always active looking for victims. In a shepherd flock situation, which of the sheep are most vulnerable? The ones that stray and the ones on the outside, right? And the wolves and the bears and the lions watch those flocks for easy pickings, for easy meals. What did, when, when, when <clears throat> the sons of God appeared before the Lord in Job and, and God questions Satan on where he had been, he said, walking to and fro on the earth, prowling around like a roaring Lion, seeking devour, seeking dinner, seeking someone to eat. This word devour means to swallow up. Figuratively, though, it means to overcome, control, or destroy. Your enemy wants to destroy you. And I know sometimes we get weary and we want to check out of the battle, but we cannot check out of the battle. You know why? He never checks out of the battle. 
Present tense. Always prowling. Always prodding. Always looking for an opening to get in so that he can steal, kill, or destroy. He's always too, especially in America, he seeks to misdirect. Pretend as though he's not real. Right? Get you to look in other places for the problem. Get you to look at one another for the primary issue. Like a magician, what does a magician do? Sleight of hand. You ever heard? They seek to get you to look away from where the real action is. They divert your attention to trick you. Right? Most of it is not for mean reasons. It's to make you go, whoa, that guy's awesome. Many of them are very skilled. But the evil one seeks to distract. and He, he wants to hide behind the covers. Paul said that he masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't come at you fangs out. He's hard to detect. I will say, no, he's even impossible to detect without this. He will fool you. He will take you captive. He will eat you. I mean, think about traipsing around in the jungle. Sorry, rainforest. Same thing. Where there's lions and, and tigers and... and your lunch without a really big gun or some way to defend yourself. See, he's using that analogy. A roaring, a scary lion, a big lion. He's talking about seeking to devour. I mean, if you knew a lion was in your yard, would you send your kids out to play? <laughs> Please, Mama, no! Right? Or would you even go out there to play? Unless you're a big hunter dude with the big gun, right? No, because it's dangerous. Your enemy is far worse than a real lion. He's far more powerful and he's invisible. And he sneaks up on you and he gains access without you even knowing it. So far, this is really encouraging, isn't it? You have a vigilant enemy who is always active, who never quits, who is more powerful than you, smarter than you, has a huge army that is invisible and is against you. How do you fight and win? How do you fight and win? Thankfully, Peter gives us some insight. Look, secondly, there's much more we could say about this. I'm really just trying to get your head up this morning. Realize where the struggle is. Number two, stay spiritually vigilant by knowing our strategy or God's strategy. So he's warned us that we need to think rightly and be continually watchful because of our enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to devour us, control us, get us to live for self instead of Jesus, get us to protect self over everything else, get us to do what feels right and seems right to us without consulting the Word of God. Stay spiritually vigilant by knowing the strategy. Look what Peter says. Here's how you fight, church. Resist Him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not original. You're not unique. You're not the only one struggling. You're not the only one with a spiritual enemy. We all have one. We all undergo 
this kind of attack. What, is, what does Paul say? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And we always only think about the physical persecution that we can see when we read that most of the time. But there's a spiritual persecution that takes place against a Christian. And most of us are just walking around unaware of it and we wonder why we're in such terrible shape. <clears throat> We've lost sight of our real enemy. Peter says, resist him. That word means to fight back against, to oppose him. We need to oppose him. We need to resist his strategies. We need to have an effective way of resisting him. And Peter says it's by being firm in your faith. By being firm in your faith. Faith in who? See, I've introduced you to your enemy. Allow me to introduce you to your advocate. The eternal Son of God who became man to save us by His life, death, burial, and resurrection. The one who created and holds all things together by the word of His power. Hebrews 1.3 The one who marched through the trees to defeat Israel's enemies. In the Old Testament, the one who sent forth his angels to slay the Assyrian army without Israel lifting a finger. The one who walks on water like pavement because he is in control of his creation. The one who fed over 10,000 people with a happy meal. Two small fish and five loaves, little loaves. That's why I called it a happy meal. The one who stripped and humiliated our enemy on the cross, overcoming him. The one who burst the grave wide open, defeating death and victory for all of his people. The one who's sitting on the throne right now, reigning. Nothing is too small for him. Nothing is too big for him. He's got you if you're his child. Our enemy is no match for our advocate who fights for us. But it's not automatic. We need to connect with who we are in Christ. We need to connect with our advocate. We need to have our minds shaped by His Word so that we see the enemy and our hearts focused into it so that we're rested in our advocate. See, because Jesus lived and died and was raised from the grave for us, all of life has to work for us now. That doesn't mean it'll all be easy, but every trial has to work to make us like Christ now. The devil can only go as far as he allows him to go. And he must submit to Jesus. When Jesus said, be gone, Satan, he went. You read Job, you read the rest of Scripture. Jesus is the God-man, the Son of God, who is God, who is over all creation. And the devil can only go as far as he's allowing him to go. And everything, it must be horribly frustrating to be Jesus' enemy because everything the devil is allowed to do in the big picture eventually has to end up serving Christ and His salvation in His people. So don't be afraid of Him. Respect Him. Don't toy with Him. Don't think He's not there. But don't be afraid of Him. But be firm in your faith in Jesus. 
And there's some question here on what that means. Some translations say firm in the faith, and others say firm in your faith. ESV took that interpretive decision along with NAS and some others. I think King James says firm in the faith. I think it's probably talking about firm in the faith, but there's no way to be firm in the faith without being firm in your faith, which is trusting God and feeding on what He has given you. This is the faith once and for all revealed to the saints. Having this in your heart so that you know what to expect. Proper expectations are huge for living life. We have to know that we live on a, in a battlefield, on battle, in battle. We have an enemy, but we have an advocate for us. And that advocate is using even our trials and tears and struggles to make us like him and to get his gospel out to the ends of the earth. That God always wins. All of his purposes will be accomplished. But tears are part of the plan. Hardship is part of the plan. Struggle is part of the plan. And sometimes we get our eyes just on the physical and just on people. And we think we can run from it. We cannot run from it. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Far greater. Infinitely greater. Believe in Him. Trust Him. He wouldn't tell us to have our hearts filled with His Word if it wasn't necessary. He's praying for you on every moment of every day. His Spirit, He is in you through His Spirit. He's given you His Word. You have everything necessary for life and godliness and everything necessary to be firm in your faith in the midst of the struggles of life. You have everything you need to face down the enemy. Think of a sniper's rifle. You guys, especially in the military, you're familiar with that. But I mean, you've all seen a rifle with a scope on it. These are just bigger and badder, right? The word believed is the scope. You see the enemy through the word. The word prayed loads the gun. And the word spoken is the ammunition. What Paul calls the sword of the Spirit. Wielded by the Spirit. So stand firm in the faith once revealed. Stand firm in your faith in Jesus. Walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? Circumstances don't determine reality. Feelings don't. None. This does. This is what reality. He tells us what's real. And what's true. See the enemy. Target the enemy with faith and the word and prayer. Don't expect everything to be easy. Know you have a spiritual enemy. See, what Peter says is stand firm in your faith and know that you're not alone. The whole church has the same struggles. But you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. Stand firm in your faith. This doesn't say... I'm going to spend a minute on this, okay? Because some, some need to be encouraged. Some need to be reminded. This doesn't say go around casting demons out of every struggle that you have. The armor of God is not a spiritual potion that you just pray. Right? It's using the, the physical armor of a Roman shoulder to, soldier to illustrate the truth of what we have to fight with in Jesus. 
I once was at a, a rally in Columbia, South Carolina one time where the people up front uh, bound and cast out the demon of abortion from Columbia, South Carolina. You know what's still going on in Columbia, South Carolina? Because that's not the fight. We think we... He doesn't say anything about binding or casting out. He says, focus on Christ and walk strong in your faith in Him. Pray against the enemy and his assaults on your family, sure. Very few of us will ever have the need to actually cast out a demon. It's not a power encounter that we have, it's a truth encounter. So walk firm in your faith. Trust, practice, rest, walk, pray, believe. Know the enemy and know to stand firm in your faith. Here's six things Jesus teaches us about the devil. He's a real foe. There's a real spiritual wickedness. It's not just a metaphor. He tries to get us to doubt God's love and provision. The enemy does that. He'll try to get us to doubt God's people's love for us. The, the devil knows Scripture and twists it. Even to Jesus. Think about the temerity of before the Son of God trying to twist Scripture. He got booted out, but he's willing to do it. He has great power. He's far more powerful than you. He has Jesus has authority over him, though. And listen to me. The devil is doomed. Go read Revelation. When, when, his, when God finishes uses, using him for his purposes, he will go into the lake of fire. He won't be part of the new heavens, new earth. This trial and struggle and stuff I'm talking about won't be there. But for now, we must stay vigilant. Remember the main point. We must stay vigilant against our enemy if we're going to live faithfully for Jesus. Listen, I say this in love, but I encourage you, I exhort you, some of you are not in the fight. Some of you are living as though you don't have this enemy. You've put down your rifle. You're not aware of the lion eating you and your family. Some of us, I should say. None of us are immune to that. But it, he's devouring you because you're living like the enemy doesn't even exist. You're living like the gospel is not true. You're living like it's all about you and up to you. And maybe it's because you've grown weary. Wake up! I didn't see anybody sleeping. That's not why I did that. We all need that jolt, don't we? Regularly. Wake up. Shake yourself. Remember what's true. See, the devourer is on the prowl. He might be in your house, I don't know, devouring your faith. I mean, have you been experienced some of, the, some of those thoughts of doubting God's love, God's kindness, God's compassion? If He really loved me, it wouldn't be like this. I wouldn't have these struggles. How do you know God loves you? By your circumstances? By the cross. How could we ever look at that and say that's not enough? Is he devouring your marriage? Are you focused on yourself? 
Yeah, well, when they do this, I'll do this. Boy, I deserve a better spouse than that. That's only true of Cindy. The rest of you, no. <laughs> she does. <laughs> best part of this union, I promise you. Um, are you focused on Jesus in your marriage and loving and honoring Him and applying His word and, and giving what He deserves, giving to the other? Are you forgiving and gracious and compassionate and kind and overlooking faults, willing to forgive? How about your children? Is he devouring your children? Are, are you active to help them come to faith and walk in that faith? Or just negative on them all the time? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Many ways to do that. Is he devouring your relationships? Friends? Creating division? Family? Work? Neighborhood? Especially church. Be reminded this morning you have an enemy. Your greatest enemies are two. You and the evil one. Those are your greatest enemies. Not anybody else around you. You and your spiritual enemy. The devil. Be careful. Be watchful. Don't be afraid. Don't be hopeless. But don't sit back and whine. Dig in. Know your God. I mean, I barely touched on who Jesus is. Know your enemy. Know everything He's given you so that you can fight rightly. Interpreting all this in the light of Jesus and the Gospel. And God's love for you in Christ His Son. You're not in control. You can't assure that your spouse won't leave you or that your children won't forsake Jesus or that they will ever come to Jesus. That's all in God's provision. He's the only one that works and changes hearts. But He gives means of grace through all of that. And that we're to trust Him and to plow into His means of grace and ask Him to work and wait upon Him. Last thing I'll say is maybe you're too sophisticated too smart to believe in a literal devil. You will regret that. You may walk through this life in complete ease. Don't wait till you pass from this earth to find out that what Jeff was telling you was true. If you're too sophisticated to believe in what Christ believed in, in what Peter taught, then you're too sophisticated. If you don't believe He exists, He has you right where He wants you. And He's satisfied to leave you there. He won't bother you. Try to shake you off of that. See, I said it before. We're in, important we're in a very important season in the life of Grace Church. We are, we are seeing the church mature and come into a place where we'll have a solid leadership core. And the enemy is fighting against that. We're coming into a place of maturity as a congregation and many people want to join the church and the enemy is fighting against that. We are studying the gospel in, in our 915 classes. We've studied the law and we've studied the gospel with the, with the intention effort to be better witnesses individually and corporately out there. And I'm promising you the enemy is fighting against that. 
He's trying to distract you. He's trying to devour you. He's trying to get you to give up. I tell you what, things have kicked up in all of our houses lately. Aggravations, some small, some big. Relational, just physical. Thing. Don't just wonder what's going on. We have an enemy who wants to destroy us and destroy God's work here. Who wants to scatter the flock instead of unify the flock. Who's seeking to devour Fight against that through prayer. Fight against that through the Word. Fight against that through the community. Flock, draw together. Follow the shepherd, which is Jesus. And let's be effective on mission for Him. So today, I just wanted to warn you, to challenge you, to exhort you to get back in the fight. To prioritize what God prioritizes. The Word, prayer, worship, community. You could add to the list. You can't run from the battle. He's not just the enemy of Grace Church. He's the enemy of every true church. And every true Christian. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. See, we have everything we need. Word, gospel, spirit, community. Everything we need to persevere, push back the darkness, be successful on mission. But not if we're not in the battle. So be constantly on alert. Be constantly active in the faith. Be constantly in prayer. Constantly growing in grace. Firm in your faith in Jesus, the advocate I introduced you to or reintroduced you to earlier. Be at rest and be satisfied in Jesus. Why should I do that? Because we were lost. We had all broken His law. None of us could fix it. None of us could save ourselves. God sent His Son into the world to live for us and fulfill all righteousness, to die to pay the penalty we deserve to pay, to suffer the wrath of God, do our sin on the cross, to drink that cup dry, to go into the grave, in fact, to go through the grave, defeating death, raised the third day, ascended into heaven, reigning to see the gospel go forth. Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture, he was buried and he was raised the third day. And salvation is a free gift to you if you will trust him. If you won't trust him, you're a victim of the enemy. But God is more powerful in his spirit as at work. And if he is calling you to Christ, come today. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus. And then know that you're not alone. Know who your enemy is and know how to fight him. Remember, you can't hit what you can't see. But we don't walk by faith, by sight. We walk by faith. And we see him clearly through God's word. And we see clearly how to fight against him. In Jesus, we have eyes to see and ears to hear. May God be glorified. May Christ be glorified in our fight as we fight in his grace. Trust him and live for him. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you are so gracious. You are so merciful. You are so glorious. We look to you. We rest in you. We believe you. Your word is true. We know we have an enemy who is strong and vigilant. But you are stronger and more vigilant. Help us to walk in your means of grace. Help us to fight 
in line with your word. Help us to believe, yes, that we have that enemy, but that you have overcome him and that you guide us through the battle with your word in prayer, in community, so that we not only make it through, but we can go through and be used by you to be effective on this mission that you left us in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, around the world, Lord. Help us to see things rightly. Help us to love and trust you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, as Peter has exhorted us, which is your word, to be firm in the faith and know that we're in it together. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your forgiveness and power. Thank you that you are for us and not against us. We look to you. We praise you. We honor you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.